With me is uh, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society, Dr. Rajbans. Good morning, Dr. Rajbans. Good morning, yes. Now, a major study has highlighted uh, the scale of the obesity problem in the UK. 2.8 million people were uh, studied in this thing. And it says a significant risk of death and disease has been attached to weight gain. In fact, 2.8 million adults showed even slightly overweight people were twice as likely to, to get type 2 diabetes. This is not news for us. Really, when it comes to the obesity crisis here in Malaysia itself, where are we on the scale of one to ten? I mean, we, I think we should <laughs> right now put ourselves at ten because the way things are going, uh, we are not the uh, I think the most obese nation in Southeast Asia. I think the second in Asia. Prevalence of diabetes is actually one of the highest in the world because the number of people with uh, uh, diabetes in our population is almost very high. So it's all part of the metabolic syndrome, part of the whole thing about lifestyle. So I think. I mean, the Ministry of Health, the government is trying very hard to educate people. And I think all comes to education, educating people the right sort of diet, exercise, uh, managing the stress. And it should start from young. I mean, children in school should be educated because even our children are getting obese. Diabetes mm-hmm. is starting younger and younger. And type 2 diabetes can be a serious disease, you know, if not treated uh, properly. A lot of people sometimes don't even know they have diabetes until they come yeah. to a later stage. Yeah. What are the main signs of type 2 diabetes? I mean, the simple ones that we all know is the thing like you know feeling a bit tired uh, you know more thirsty passing more urine getting up at night to pass more urine than you know we call it nocturia most people should maybe do one some people diabetes may end up doing it three four times of course more prone for infections but sometimes it can be very silent Mm. You might not know, especially if the pre-diabetics or early diabetics, and that's the time you have to catch them and quickly control the diabetes, put them on a lifestyle programs. So I think the good thing to do is uh, because something so simple like a blood pressure, diabetes, you just go to your doctor or even go to a pharmacy, just get it checked every few months just to, you know, just a pinprick, just to know where your levels are and whether you need to do more tests. If you find you're putting on more weight, the family history of diabetes, then even more reason for you to go and get it checked up. Right. So how can uh, type 2 diabetes be treated and how controllable is it? I mean, very well controlled if uh, if people follow the advice that the doctor gives them. Right. Of course, we always try lifestyle first, but that doesn't. There the whole range of medications we have now that work in different parts of the pathway for sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do very well. A lot of people who follow the advice of the doctors take the medication regularly can be easily very well controlled. Uh, of course, some are bad uh, diabetics where they might need insulin because you know levels are high. So, but if followed correctly most diabetics who take their medication follow lifestyle will have no problem controlling the diabetes it's only those who don't bother right so please take care of your health before you lose it coming up of course for uh, women who are too anxious or embarrassed to go for a smear test can opt for a urine test Um, we'll find out a little bit more about this new test after Kobe Calais on light on HealthWise, Dr. Rajban's president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Let's take a look at this trial. It's um, a new test that can end the smear fear for women who are too anxious or embarrassed to get a pap test. Uh, they can now just provide a urine sample to be screened for cervical cancer. A trial said that this urine testing was as good at detecting a virus called HPV, which is a big risk factor for the cancer. Bigger trials are still needed, but experts said that self-testing could be 
be a game changer for women. What are your thoughts, Dr. Ahmad? I mean, this is really good, you know. I mean, it's test like this, a simple test that you can do, uh, you know, anywhere. Just a urine test, you know. You don't have to go to a doctor, see a gynecologist, get a mm-hmm. smear done. So, and not only that, you know, the fear of, you know, the, the whole process. So, just a simple urine test could detect yes or no. Uh, I think it would be very good. So, if yes, you go get your treatment, see your doctor. If no, then you don't have to worry. You can just, you know, check again later. So, I think, yeah, this this is the type of test that we are hoping will come more common. Instead of going for more invasive tests, a simple urine or a simple blood test should be what you want to look for. Right. Well, you know, the awareness for the smear test isn't as prevalent for young women. The misconception is you only need to start getting tested after you are married, which isn't true, yeah? Yeah, no, I think if like it's this HPV virus is something that can occur even younger. So, I think, yeah, so I, but again, you're right, you know, most younger women won't do that. So, it's again something for someone who is above uh, a certain age. But a urine test, uh, that would be a game changer, yeah. All right. Well, are you feeling backed up and bloated? Uh, There are certain ways you can fix constipation, not just by eating more (laughs) raisin bread. We've got that article to look at next after Jimmy Cliff here on Light. This is a light breakfast with Shaz and uh, with me on HealthWise, Dr. Rajban's president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Are you feeling backed up and bloated? I tell you, Dr. Rajban's, when I was in the hospital for a week, I completely felt those two things. <laughs> Even though I was drinking water regularly and um, I was, you know, eating vegetables regularly, I think it was just the, the stress and the change of environment, yeah? Yeah, I suppose they're not, probably not walking much, you know, just lying down a lot. Uh, and you're right, you know, the, I don't know whether some of the medication would have made it worse for you, so yeah, this is something quite common, you know, especially mm-hmm. when people get older. Constipation is a very common complaint of old people. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm I not that old. Yeah, but even that's what I'm going to say. But even younger people, you know, you expected mm-hmm. this something to be, you know, that only old people will have because, you know, their whole physiology changes. But I get younger and younger, even students coming to hospital with complaints of constipation. Why? And, uh, you know, even children now, I think one of the my pediatricians saying that one of the common things they're getting now is uh, children who are I suppose because of their lifestyle, not running like before, mm-hmm. eating all the wrong foods, no roughage, and maybe not drinking enough water, or you know, just the fear. Of, uh, some of them are saying even fear of going to the toilet was an <laughs> issue. So. What can we do to avoid yeah. constipation? Then? Yeah, I suppose simple things like you know moving a lot uh, definitely will help. Uh, keeping yourself well hydrated, taking a food that is high in fiber, and these are some of the things that you start off first. Uh, sometimes fruits, certain fruits like they say prunes and bananas will help. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and. The other thing is very stressed because irritable bowel syndrome is becoming more common. It's related to, you know, the sort of underlying stress. Eating the wrong foods, a lot of refined carbs, a lot of food. Some, you know, some people have lactose deficiency sort of things. Uh, some are more allergic to certain type of food. So all these can actually aggravate your bloating, your constipation. So these are some of the things you have to look at and see what foods can be causing the problem. But simple things like movement, water, mm-hmm. uh, high fiber diet, these are simple things. Now, if it's getting quite serious in the sense that, you know, in spite of all this, you still find you're getting problems and this bloatedness is, you know, even causing pain and causing discomfort, then go and see a doctor just in case you uh, you don't want to miss out other more serious things, you know. People can have polyps, diverticulosis, uh, even people with uh, early uh, colon cancer have come up with problems with constipation. So, they should go and get it checked up. All right. Well, coming up, if you uh, want to quit smoking, how can you do so successfully? Dr. Rajbans has an answer for you. That's coming up next right now, Whitney Houston on Light.
With me this morning, Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. New evidence published recently in the Cochrane Review found that people who used a combination of nicotine replacement therapies, NRTs, are more likely to successfully quit smoking than people who just use a single form of the medicine. So we're talking about things like skin patches, chewing gum, nasal and oral sprays, inhalers, lozenges, tablets that deliver nicotine through the body to the brain. Is this method very popular in Malaysia. No, in fact, I think what most people do is just use one form. You know, whether they use a, use a patch or they just use a, things like a inhaler or a chewing gum. So this is quite interesting that they're using multiple different types of uh, yeah. nicotine. Couldn't so you OD it, on, on nicotine if you use like multiple types? Yeah, that's why, that's why I'm just a bit worried. The other thing is whether because they're using multiple types, they may be using a lot of nicotine. Mm. So that's why they, they don't get the craving. And whether when they stop that, whether they still get the craving and you know so I suppose uh, we have to wait and see how good the study really is <laughs> and whether people should actually go ahead and do multiple types of uh, because I think the most important thing is you must know or you really must want to quit right uh, a lot of people just you know they try their luck but they don't really want to yeah. make the commitment so once you make a commitment I think whatever module you use whether you use a, a gum or a spray or a or patch going, or going cold turkey for or that going matter, cold yeah. turkey in fact some of the ones I really seen who have worked are those just went cold turkey right. whatever commitment they made they just said stop and they stopped and that worked better than people who try alternatives and then still go after a while relapse back yeah now there are certain um, studies that are now showing that actually vaping may harm your lungs yeah popcorn yeah. lungs and all that so yeah. what are your thoughts on that yeah as, i think i think vaping is not actually a real replacement unless you're going to use it for a very short while to stop smoking and then stop vaping you know as a psychological thing but otherwise i think vaping is not the answer because what all what people do is stop smoking and start vaping and that's another addiction. Alright, well coming up, can sitting down be detrimental to your health? Well, Dr. Rajbans explores that next year on Light. On HealthWise, Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society with us today. Now, spending large amounts of time sitting or lounging around during the day is linked to around 50,000 deaths per year in the United Kingdom. That is crazy. That is a large number, isn't it? Yeah, in fact, this is sitting is just uh, another like smoking, you know, they're mm-hmm. just as bad, they say. Uh, they say from the time of the caveman, we were meant to walk. Right. And, they, you know, the, the our ancient forefathers really walked a lot. They, mm. they did everywhere. And until, I suppose, the car was invented, most of the humans still yeah. walked a lot. They walked everywhere. They had no choice. And now we become more and more sedentary, but even when the car was there, we still had to, especially younger, you still had a lot of sports or games that were still, mm-hmm. you know, very active. You know, and kids used to play a lot outside. Now, with the new technologies, that's even coming worse and worse. So, people are sitting a lot and that itself is a, I think, a cause for many of the causes or one of the causes of metabolic disease that's coming up. So, what I tell people is if you're sitting every hour at least take a 5-10 minutes break, walk, mm-hmm. walk around, you know, go drink some water, come back. So don't just sit, you know, some people I know just forget and they are so engrossed with their work from the computer, they can go straight 6 to 8 hours. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's dangerous. And then they go back and they do the same thing. Yeah. You know, on their, whether it's on their handphone, on their television, they sit another few hours. So it's, and then you go to sleep. So you hardly 
move, you know, so that's dangerous. All right. Well, Dr. Rajbans, uh, thank you for that great advice. Uh, your thoughts uh, for health? Yeah, I mean, today we, uh, we talked a lot about sedentary, <laughs> metabolic obesity, you know, platelet yeah, <laughs> I think it's all lifestyle. So I think it's it's just the what we are doing to ourselves. So I think we have to go back to basics, you know, go back mm-hmm. to, to what we used to, you know, move, eat right, sleep well, cut down the stress, you know. So all these simple, simple things are something that can make a life changer for your health. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Dr. Thank Roger. you. And I'm going to take a little break down to the cafeteria just to walk, mind you.